Press from Cast Iron Brains, a BrainIron.com production. Here's 11 minutes or less of news for today, Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. A Japan Airlines Airbus A350 plane carrying 367 passengers and 12 crew members collided with a Coast Guard plane shortly after landing in Tokyo on Tuesday, resulting in a fiery explosion that left five Coast Guard members dead. The large commercial airliner plowed right through the smaller Coast Guard plane, which had been scheduled to fly aid supplies to the victims of a powerful earthquake that struck western Japan on Monday. Remarkably, all 379 people on board the flight survived and were successfully evacuated from the burning wreckage. Monday's earthquake destroyed tens of thousands of homes and other buildings along the western coast of Japan and has resulted in at least 55 fatalities. High-level tsunami warnings and advisories were issued in the immediate aftermath of the quake, but were lifted Tuesday morning without catastrophic waves battering the coastline. Officials warned that heightened seismic activity should be expected for the next week, and additional tremors, along with forecasted rain, could complicate search and rescue operations, and the death toll is expected to rise. All nuclear energy plants in the region continue to operate normally. Lee Jae-myung, the South Korean politician who narrowly lost his country's presidential election in 2022, was stabbed in the neck by a man posing as an autograph-seeking supporter on Tuesday. He is recovering following a two-hour surgery to repair damage to his jugular vein, and his assailant has been detained by police. Lee has been the subject of multiple criminal and corruption investigations since failing to win the presidency, which supporters say are politically motivated. Before the attack, he was widely expected to run again in 2027, and in the meantime remains the face of the country's liberal party, which despite losing the presidency in 2022, will be defending its legislative majority in parliamentary elections this spring. Management consulting firm McKinsey & Company has agreed to establish a $78 million fund from which insurers and healthcare funds would recover money spent on highly addictive and deadly prescription opioids. Plaintiffs say that doctors were convinced to prescribe the drugs by McKinsey and their client, Purdue Pharma, through aggressive marketing and sales techniques that forced insurers to cover the more expensive and dangerous drugs in place of cheaper alternatives. The agreement still needs the approval of a judge and would be added to the much larger sum of $830 million that McKinsey has already agreed to pay out to states, school districts, and local governments for its perceived part in the opioid crisis. Despite the nearly billion dollars it has agreed to pay, McKinsey maintains that all of its past work was lawful. In what will be both the most widely reported news story of the day and the news story of the day least likely to have a material or demonstrable impact on you or anyone else you know, the president of Harvard University resigned on Tuesday. In sports, the Michigan Wolverines defeated Alabama and the Washington Huskies survived a late rally by Texas in the New Year's Day college football playoff semifinals. Michigan and Washington will meet in Houston next Monday night in a contest to determine this year's national champion, the final time this four-team format will be used to determine a champion before the 12-team playoff expansion debuts next season. 
For the second year in a row, but just the second time in the format's 10-year run, both playoff semifinals were closely contested affairs, with both games not decided until the final play in each. ESPN, which airs the games, issued an apology on Tuesday morning after their cameras caught a woman in the act of exposing her breast on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. We regret that this happened and apologize that the video aired in the telecast, ESPN's Bill Hofheimer told the AP. In entertainment news, Wonka took the top spot at the box office over the holiday weekend, bringing its cumulative total to over $140 million. For the year, ticket sales in North America were up more than 20% over 2022, with consumers spending more than $9 billion at the box office. Ticket sales have still not quite reached their pre-pandemic highs of nearly $12 billion, and the Hollywood strikes that paused production for large chunks of 2023 may result in lower returns for the coming year. Despite a relative respite from the Marvel and DC universes, moviegoers will be presented with updates to a long list of familiar favorites in 2024, with a seemingly endless run of new entries for long-established franchises, including Ghostbusters, Kung Fu Panda, Godzilla, Planet of the Apes, Mad Max, Garfield, Bad Boys, A Quiet Place, Alien, Transformers, Despicable Me, Saw, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Lord of the Rings. Not to mention sequels for Dune, Gladiator, The Joker, Beetlejuice, Inside Out, and Twister. A brief editorial aside, the Ouroboros, an ancient symbol of a snake swallowing its own tail, is a symbol of renewal rebirth, and fertility in many cultures, but something I have always found to be disquieting. As a symbol of the inevitable, natural way of the world and the cosmos, it is interesting and instructive enough, sure, but when easily applied to the seemingly free choices of a vast number of disparate individuals operating independent of one another, it tends to produce a self-reinforcing despair that, appropriately enough, only continues to feed and build on itself. Perhaps the ongoing consolidation of mass culture creators into an ever smaller pool of financially interested parties hasn't actually limited the number of ideas available for mass consumption, but instead has made plain the underlying truth. We've always been telling the same stories. It's just the profit incentive has finally taught us to stop changing their names all the time. Now, here's a look at the weather. Every year on January 1st, a new batch of previously copyright-protected works enter the public domain, meaning that anyone is free to copy and distribute those works as they see fit. This year, copyrighted works from 1928 have entered the public domain, including the Steamboat Willie version of Mickey Mouse, Tigger from A.A. A. Milne's House on Pooh Corner, and Peter Pan. With some restrictions, people are now free to create and profit from their own stories, using these characters without fear that the rights owners will be able to successfully sue them for infringement. This current 95-year copyright term is for works produced before 1978. For those published after 1978, copyright protection lasts for the life of the author, plus an additional 70 years after their death. 
For example, if the seemingly healthy billionaire author of the Harry Potter books, J.K. Rowling, lives for another 25 years to the modest age of 83, Harry Potter and his magical pals would not enter the public domain until 2119, 95 years from now. Acknowledging that it is important that an artist maintain the ability to profit from their own original work, in no small part as an incentive for the creation of new and culturally relevant works of art. It is the opinion of this author that modern copyright protections last far too long. If the original artifact is meaningful to the culture, it will be faithfully and widely distributed, archived by fans and librarians and curators of all stripes, and it functionally lives in the public domain at that point already, part of our collective heritage, our common language, a culture not really ownable by any one individual, especially the original creator of the thing, who may not care for the life the work has made for itself, out in the world. Sure, as the originator of the idea, they should be justly compensated, but why for a full lifetime after their own? Why should the products of human imagination, made valuable only because of how they excite the imaginations of others, be bundled into portfolios of corporate property and owned by soulless organizations devoted only to maintaining a lucrative private stream of income off the achievements of people long dead? The notion of some estate protecting the artistic integrity of a dead artist is mostly a romantic fiction. Estates want only to grow. Parasites made fat through licensing and litigation, a legal construct that pretends towards an ethic but defends only itself and its ongoing existence, something with all the trappings of a person, save for the humanity. When ideas are permitted to remain under lock and key, accessed only by those who seek to earn a buck off them until long after anyone who, long gone, might have otherwise truly profited by getting to play around with them, rework and remake them to speak truth to the current moment, to speak truth to us and about us in a language we all understand, when we are denied these conversations about the work that means the most to us, except when it will enrich the right holders at Disney or Warner's or wherever, and only on their terms. We are all impoverished. We must be permitted to eat and destroy and reinvent that which came before in the great Ouroborosian tradition of the cosmos, a terrifying and inevitable repetition of what has always been, beating on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. That's the weather from here. How's it look out your window? The Morning Press is a production of the BrainIron.com multinational media empire. Please direct comments and complaints to BrainIronPodcast at gmail.com or visit the website at BrainIron.com. For a transcript of today's episode and links to the stories referenced, find The Morning Press at BrainIron.substack.com. Thanks and Barring the sudden onset of the inevitable, we'll talk to you tomorrow. The proceeding was created with 100% human content.